Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Sorry for making you wait. Some funny comments. Uh, Ralph Wilson Sr. on YouTube. How does Matt get a media pass when he never meets a deadline? I'm always responsible for us being late. Uh, he was doing a bunch of different things. Ryan and I were. This is the first time we got a chance to chat today. So we're going over some of our plans. And sometimes we'll take you inside uh, the football coverage a little bit even more so. This is Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you, as always, by Tops friendly markets gear up for game day now through october 28th every time you use your tops bonus plus card to purchase participating brands like pepsi campbell's smithfield and so many more you're automatically entered for a chance to win hot prizes to elevate your food game you might also win a jersey every time buffalo scores a touchdown for complete details visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone ryan talbot we got a lot to get to tonight some you know, the final thoughts as we kind of move through reaction from Monday night, uh, we'll get to all of that. Some of the things that people are saying, how are you, my friend? I am doing great. I am looking forward to being up in Buffalo this weekend, Matt, for obviously the home opener, but we also have a pretty big event on Saturday night. We are going to be live at Wingnuts North Buffalo. And this is a little bit of an audible because we had originally planned to have the debut show at wing nuts amherst uh at 1402 millersport highway but uh it's not ready yet they're still working on that location so we were going back to froth uh wing nuts north buffalo 700 military road write that down right now so you don't go to the wrong location 700 military road uh this saturday at 6 p.m we are so excited listen this is a game where a lot is on the line, Ryan. I mean, coming off of a loss in a division where the Jets sit at 1-0, the Dolphins sit 1-0, you know, this is a Raiders t- game that if you're looking at the first six or eight games of the schedule, you can make an argument it's the it's the most winnable of all of them. Uh, so we're going to talk and, and dive into this thing on Saturday night. We hope everybody comes out to hang out and, and, and to hear the show and uh, to talk some bills. Yeah, coming off of a loss is, you know, you don't want to say must win in week two, but the, the Bills have to rebound. And they've been one of the best teams in the league uh, coming off of losses the past few years. I'm anticipating a, a good performance after a, a letdown on Monday Night Football in New Jersey. Some plays and some points that they uh, left on the field and, and didn't quite execute. So uh, I think it's going to be a great atmosphere at Froth on uh, Saturday night. It's going to be an even greater atmosphere at Highmark Stadium because it is going to be rocking there on Sunday. So let's get into some of the things that have kind of percolated over the last two days since Monday Night Football. You know, I want to get into some what I think is really good analysis on um, what the Bills and Josh Allen, what we saw happen with them on Monday night. Uh, we'll get into that in a moment. I thought they were really interesting, uh, some commentary on that. The Michael Irving situation is one that I, I wanted to bring up because Stefan Diggs actually discussed it today when he went on the Von cast over on the Bleacher Report app. Uh, Michael Irvin was on with uh, his new show with Skip Bayless and Richard Sherman and Keyshawn Johnson, and he was 
ultra critical of Stefan Diggs's sideline um, uh, discussion with Josh Allen, where he's kind of pointing to his head. And, uh, you know, he, Michael Irving claimed that that made it seem like to, from the outside looking in that he's calling Josh Allen dumb, <laughs> which is crazy <laughs> because um, I, I don't think anybody inside that building would ever get that sense. And, and Stefan Diggs went on to explain on the podcast that, when he says play smart, he's going there and just reminding everybody of the things that they probably worked on uh, all week at practice. When he goes up to offensive linemen, he says, play smart. Don't have any holding penalties. I mean, we saw um, how much a false start penalty from Spencer Brown affected the game in overtime on Monday night. And I think Diggs just goes up to everybody and tries to be the, the kind of leader, the kind of captain he was. And he basically said, I don't know what, what Michael Irvin is talking about. And then he went on to say, you know, sometimes, you know, football is a very opinionated based thing. Everybody's got their takeaway on X, Y, and Z, but uh, kind of joked around like Michael Irvin, you were running the routes 40 years ago. All right. All right. All right. Old man. That's, I think what he said, <clears throat> but I don't have a problem with Diggs or Sean McDermott calling Josh Allen out when he's not, delivering the way that a franchise quarterback should. I completely disagree because if he's going to go out there and throw three interceptions and, and we'll get into what Josh said about that today in a little while, somebody's got to say something, right? It's like what we were talking about a couple of days ago with Ken Dorsey, like maybe being a little bit more demonstrative and demanding or, or holding him to a standard that that can't happen. Yeah, I, I'm perfectly okay with Stefan Diggs doing that. And he's done it with, like he said, he does it to everyone. He tells everyone to be smart. Sean McDermott in press conferences before and after games has talked about the need to be smart on the field, protect the football. This is nothing that we have not heard before. And, you know, you, you look at this Bills team, and you're, you're right. You mentioned the false start by Spencer Brown and, and how penalties can hurt you. I'm sure that uh, Stefan Diggs might have even said something to Matt Milano, uh, uh, you know, the un. Uh, the penalty that he had after the interception that drove them from the 35 to the 50. I know they got three points on that drive, but maybe they could have gotten seven with that starting position. It, it is all about me, you know, being smart on the field, executing, uh, doing what's best for this team. And, and across the board, there was a lot of, of bad play, let down play, obviously Josh Allen first and foremost, but absolutely no problem with what Stefan Diggs it did in that moment. Uh, no problem with Sean McDermott telling him to be smart. This was a football team, a defense that was holding the Jets in, in you know, field goals or, or nothing else pretty much for a while. They had a 10-point lead at halftime. If they would have protected that football, they would have left New Jersey 1-0. So no problems whatsoever with what either of them said here. And uh, it just seems like the media kind of bring things up and trying to maybe start some things again between Allen and Diggs and at least making it perceived that way. Yeah, and I think Josh Allen's approach to all of this, you know, it's it's healthy. Uh, he he basically came out and said, "Listen, this isn't the first time um, I've thrown three interceptions a game, and I'm he will hopefully plays long enough where it's not the last." I mean, it it is just a part of his game, Ryan. Like he does take chances, but I think like the difference Monday night was the 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 particular types of throws he was trying to make ones that there wasn't really a good outcome. Those two deep balls, when you're throwing into double coverage against a defense that is this good, you know, I saw a stat put out um, or, or an article, actually, I, I wish I, I saw it in the timeline and I didn't um, bookmark it or retweet it so I could find it later. And that's my bad, but it was, uh, it was one from one of the national folks, maybe at the ringer, I'll, I'll, I'll find it out and I'll, and I'll credit them. But it was talking about just how the league has adapted to elite quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and how defenses have taken away the deep ball. It, it, you know, teams are having to adjust and, and dink and duck down the field because teams refuse to let you beat them that way. It's been that way for a couple of years, the way that Patrick Mahomes and even Josh Allen have kind of set that standard. So it's like when you know that going into a game, you know you're facing the Jets. You have to be ultra aware of that moment and of those kinds of plays and just completely remove them from your arsenal. And I, I know that's probably tough for Josh Allen. He's got the right mindset moving ahead, but he has to be more self-aware in the moment. Yeah. So when you mentioned, you know, maybe this won't be the last three interception game. I have no problem if it's a three interception game where he throws it off of a Bills player, it, it bounces up in the air and he gets intercepted. Those are 
interceptions that happen to all quarterbacks that, you know, we saw it happen to Patrick Mahomes on opening night and go for a pick six. The interceptions against the Jets, though, like you said, they were they were simply brutal. There's no other way to put it. Uh, the first one, he rolls to his left, and, and it looked like he had plenty of room to run and pick up the first down. Instead, he just throws it into double coverage, and you knew the outcome as soon as the camera panned downfield and you saw what was about to happen. He had digs on a third and two play going across the middle looking like he was open. He had guys that he could have dink and, dinked and dunked to, and it's something that he has to get in his mind I need to do this. I, I shouldn't always be going for the home run ball. I shouldn't always be going for the big play unless it's open, unless there's a step downfield and there's not that double coverage. I need to be smart with this football because it's going to, it could cost the team like it did on Monday night. So uh, a learning experience, hopefully, hopefully it's the last three interception game for some time uh, or maybe in 2023 in general this season, but you know, it is part of his game for sure. Super chat from our good buddy Kyle Gauger, who I believe is uh, a Shout Insider subscriber, which, thank you, Kyle. You are the man. He said earlier in the show, everyone here knows better than to listen to the national media's opinion on the Bills. Only Bills opinions I opt for are right here from these two. We appreciate you, Kyle. His super chat is, what do you guys think about Ken Dorsey coming down from the press box onto the field. Not saying this is the solution to the problems, but could it help? And, you know, Ryan, I think this is interesting from you go back a couple years ago, and I can't remember, I think I saw it floating around on, on the Twitter timeline the last couple of days, early in Josh Allen's career when Brian Dable came and sat with him on the bench and scolded him about some of the decisions he's making. I do think there might be something to... Kyle's point here from a, an accountability perspective. I'm also interested to know, like, we don't know a lot about the dynamic between Joe Brady and Josh Allen, right? Like Joe doesn't come up a lot when Ken Dorsey talks about it. I mean, I, I'm thinking I might ask Ken about that tomorrow when we get a chance to talk to him before practice. And like, how has Joe Brady kind of fit into a role that Ken had for three years and obviously thrived in that he he ended up getting promoted to be the offensive coordinator and then how hard is it to have that communication from the booth down to the sideline like Dorsey spent three years on the sideline with Josh Allen he's got a relationship with him already but does that distance kind of impact the ability to kind of adapt in game I think it could, uh, you know, the, the clip you're talking about was against the Patriots. If it's the same one I'm thinking of, and I think it was maybe a three interception game in that one too. And, um, you know, to put it kindly, I think Brian Dable MF'd him up and down on, on the bench. They're letting him have a piece of his mind. And it's something that I think resonated with Josh Allen and like, man, this guy's right. I, I do need to settle it down. And, and it might've been the same game where he said that was the turning point in his career as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dable had a way to get through to the players. And, you know, I, I know that he's coming off of a terrible loss of his own in, in New York, but he, he did build up those relationships where it wasn't always positive things 24 seven. If you made a mistake, he was the first to tell you. And it could be that maybe that's not Ken Dorsey's style or approach. Not everyone is the same in how they communicate. And that doesn't mean that the way he communicates with Josh Allen is wrong either. But either he or Joe Brady need to figure out a way that they can get through to Josh Allen when these mistakes are piling up and say, listen, this is the last thing we should be doing or you should be doing. It's not helping this team. This is not a game that's a shootout that's back and forth. We just need to be smart with the football. Um, but he's still a second-year offensive coordinator with Dorsey. He was more comfortable up in the booth last year. It might be something with the level of comfort, the, you know, the approach of seeing the game from up above. There is something to that. But if he's not on the sidelines, then I think you do need Joe Brady down there. And Brady needs to come up with some kind of system where he can really get through to Allen when these uh, mistakes pile up, when he has these moments. It just shouldn't be on Josh. It shouldn't be on the players. Sean McDermott has a ton on his plate calling the defense now. They need some sort of system in place. Yeah. And like the, the, the dynamic of Dorsey is very interesting because, you know, I watch him on the sidelines during training camp, like during the practice setting, he is pretty fiery. Um, and then you, you, you think back to the year. I don't, I don't think there was any ever a clip of him while he was on the sideline with Josh, while he was the quarterback's coach that went super viral. Um, but I think like 
when you're asking the quarterback to do, and who knows, maybe there is a, a dynamic where he's yelling at him in the headset or on the phone or whatever the dynamic is. I mean, there's a lot of times we see a very stoic Josh Allen on the sideline. Maybe that's part of the, the exchange, but I just think, I don't know. It, it's one game too. Like, I, I don't think you need to overreact. The bills had a lot of success last year. They, they scored a lot of points. Um, I just think it comes down to being able to find uh, a stream of communication to make sure that does, this doesn't happen in the future. But also interesting to note, Sean McDermott said, um, I think it was today, uh, we talked to him two days in a row, so the days are kind of mixing together with what he said when he said it. He said that the conversations are ongoing with Josh, but you can only have so many conversations. At the end of the day, he's the one out on the field and he's the one that has to do it. And I think all these different things, like sometimes you just need a, a very over-the-top reminder about something that you're trying to do and implement that you need to work harder to implement it, right? I don't have a, an example off the top of my head, but like Josh Allen said all offseason, I got to take care, better care of the football. And he goes out and does as as far away from that as you can be that's where Josh Allen was against the Jets and maybe that's the kind of thing that helps him reel it back in moving forward yeah it, it could be and, and years ago it's exactly what happened against the Patriots where he realized he was hurting the team more than helping in those moments in those situations um, Bills fans can only hope that history repeats itself but Allen is also not a young quarterback anymore. He's been in this league long enough where he shouldn't need necessarily to have Ken Dorsey or, or Joe Brady or anyone else come and tell him, you need to knock this off. You need to stop this. He's a veteran QB. He's viewed as one of the top quarterbacks in this league. At some point, the responsibility falls on his plate and he needs to self-correct. So it's something he's capable of doing. It's something where with this Raiders game at home this week, the Washington game, uh, the following, I think there's a good chance for him to really turn those mistakes around and put together two really good outings. Uh, but we need to see it, though, first and foremost. I also think we could put the uh, the Stefan Diggs storyline a bit to bed here. Um I think everything that's happened since the start of training camp has, you know, turned the page and, you know, he seems to be all in. I think he knows he needs to be all in for this season and beyond. And there's no getting out of this arrangement. And I think like some of the stuff that's, that, that's continuing to kind of happen nationally, like saw some of the Jason Whitlock stuff last week. And it's just like, you kind of roll your eyes at all of it. Um, but, uh, I did want to mention a couple national media members that had really good commentary uh, on the aftermath of the Monday night football game. One came from somebody that in the past I have been critical of, but Dominique Foxworth was on with Mina Kimes and I thought his commentary on Josh Allen's game was amazing. He basically called him Superman, right? Like he's this player that can do all these amazing things, but sometimes, especially in a game, like when you're playing a jets defense, that's so good, you know, you got to go get the cat out of the tree or you got to go, uh, you know, walk the old lady across the street or whatever. There can't be any casualties in that moment. That's the, 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 the thing that he used. And I thought that was really smart of him because like, that's the way that I think Josh Allen has to approach it. You you can do all these great things, but sometimes you have to do things without making any mistakes. And sometimes there's going to be casualties. You mentioned it, right? Why don't you use your, your, your Lex Luger line? Cause I thought that was yeah. really good. So I, I said, you're not always fighting Lex Luthor when it comes to, you know, being in the role of Superman, you don't always need to be ready for that big battle. Sometimes it is the more mundane, the getting the cat out of the tree, the helping the old lady across the street, as you mentioned. Uh, and, Early on in the game, it was kind of working for the Bills. He he was it was a dink and dunk approach. They were moving the ball. Yes, they weren't necessarily finishing drives with touchdowns, uh, but I, I thought that they were more efficient. It was promising getting the ball out to Kincaid, getting the ball early on to Hardy. Obviously, James Cook being involved. I liked that look. It reminded me a little bit of again when they ended up bringing in Cole Beasley and. Uh, it was an opening drive that actually ended in a turnover, but it was like a 20 play drive against the jets early on where it was dink and dunk, dink and dunk. And they kept passing the ball, passing the ball. Um, I like that approach. And then the more you hit those short passes, the greater the opportunity for the deep ball will be. It just wasn't there on, on Monday night against the jets. They played it very well. 
like you said, in both of those situations on those really far passes down the field, it was a no-win situation. It was double coverage. It, it was something where you made Stefan Diggs become a defender on his play. I thought he did a good job of knocking White hand, uh, Whitehead's hands down. It just he did it maybe a split second too soon, and Whitehead was able to recover and intercept that ball. But there will be times where Allen's going to be able to take a shot this year downfield, and he'll hit on them. It just those opportunities weren't present, and I didn't really understand what he was thinking in the moment on either of those uh, deep balls specifically. Uh, Dom Bronstein, Bromstead, excuse me, with a super chat. Is Matt Barkley the answer to get Josh refocused? I don't know how important the quarterback room getting bolstered is because Kyle, Kyle Allen is somebody that, you know, talking to Jordan Palmer on that podcast last week, he really mentioned how, how important Kyle was going to be for that quarterback room. Knows Josh well. They're very close. I think that that dynamic is already covered with him in the quarterback's room. I think it comes down to the to the coaching staff. I think it comes down to, you know, Joe Brady and Ken Dorsey, some combination of the two. And it's interesting because I don't, I don't want to speculate. I'd rather ask Josh, Josh about this before putting it out into the universe. But I do wonder, like, when you have two younger coaches like that, right? Like, and who knows? I mean, Kyle Shannon is a, a younger style coach. Uh, Sean McVay, there's tons of them across the league. But sometimes when you look at a guy like your buddy, as opposed to like teacher student, if you will, I wonder if that affects anything. And like Brian Dable, they had both of those things going, right? Like there was that teacher student relationship. He developed him as a player, but they are also super close FaceTiming and talking all the time. I don't really know enough about the Brady Allen dynamic to comment on it, but I don't know necessarily think that Matt Barkley is the missing ingredient to all of this. No, Barkley was great in the meeting rooms. We've heard that from players, the coaching staff, seeing things, breaking things down, but I don't think that he's the reason Allen was, you know, unfocused or needed to be refocused in, in that game on Monday night. I'm sure Barkley sent him a text or something during or after the game as well. They're close friends now that, but it's nothing that I think a quarterback in the quarterback room is going to change, especially when you look at who's there right now. Kyle Allen is one of his best friends, someone that he's known throughout his entire NFL career, um, and, and this performance still happens. So it, it kind of comes down to, like I said earlier, yes, I would like to see the the offensive coaches kind of get in his Josh's ear a little bit more in terms of you know play with more steady, dink and dunk the ball, give take what the defense is giving you. But at the same time, in my opinion, at least it falls in the lap of Josh Allen. He's been in this league long enough now where he shouldn't necessarily need someone to redirect him at this point. Carl Tommen uh, dropping a super chat. One of our regular super chatters on the YouTube live show. Josh going deep is okay, but he needs to be on target. He overthrew a Hardy uh, by five yards and dig try digs, tried to knock the ball away. Both had no chance only Jordan Whitehead, which you alluded to that earlier. Thanks, Carl, for that comment. And I want to read it because uh, I think that you're, that you're right there. I don't think that Josh Allen's ever going to take the deep ball out of his game. You just have to be smart about it. I mean, the Pittsburgh game uh, in the preseason, he had a beautiful deep ball to Gabe Davis down the left sideline. And you're not going to face an elite defense like this against the Jets every time. And that's why in those games, you just have to be smarter game plan wise. And listen, they did execute it to a degree. I mean, if you look at some of the usage and some of the the places they want one, and we're going to talk about this, maybe we can kind of transition into it. I wanted to talk about Orlovsky too. We can get to that in a minute. The balls to Dalton Kincaid, the balls to Diggs, especially um, that one play to Gabe Davis over the middle. There were some good moments. There were some good throws to, to James Cook. Latavius Murray had a nice little play uh, where that little flip pass and he got a first down there. There were some good moments in the passing game against a team where you just have to guard against big mistakes. And they did that for all the times except when they did not And that's what cost them. Yeah. And, and, you know, you mentioned some specific players and moments and uh, that third and two interception. I actually would have liked Murray to get the handoff on that. He, that was kind of like the Murray drive. He catches that uh, pass and he, and he kind of moves the chains. He gets a run, I think, in, or maybe two runs. And he has the eight yards there. He was running physical. He's obviously one of their bigger backs, uh, someone that maybe the Jets defense at that point late in the game was a little bit more tired than they were early. Although they just have some absolute beasts on that front with Quinn and Williams and company. 
But little mis- decisions like that, they have to find ways to get players involved a little bit more. I like the usage of Stefan Diggs, but they also need to find ways to get Dalton Kincaid more touches. We saw how efficient he was. All four of his targets were caught. Uh, Gabe Davis wasn't n- nearly targeted enough in my opinion i feel like going into week one game one you probably could have schemed some some things up for him a little bit better but it's one game out out of a long long season and uh there was a lot of positives that i took out of this game plan from ken dorsey and company as well so uh you know you have to take the bad here especially in a loss but there, there were some good things that came out of this game as well If you want some good things to come out of your weekly Bills experience, you're going to want to sign up to be a Shout Buffalo Bills insider on the text line right now, 716-528-6727. That'll get you a two-week free trial. If you really want it, really want to get involved, whispers, send me a DM at Matt Perino on Twitter. Email me, mperino at nyup.com. I'll give you one month free. Why not? One month free to check it out. See what this, all the, the, the noise is about. I, we've heard a lot of chatter. A lot of people are pretty excited about the Shout text line, which is now brought to you by Carrie C. Byer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Litro, located at 237 Main Street in Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give him a call at 716-852-1234 or check out LitroLaw.com. Shout out to the Litro Law Group and Carrie C. Buyer, now officially sponsor of the Shout Insider text line. Ryan, um, let's talk about Dan Orlovsky for a minute because mm-hmm. that was it. He he played in the league. Okay, this is a former player that retired a few years ago, longtime backup quarterback, a guy that's been in a lot of backup quarterback rooms, shared a lot of those stories uh, over time, and he said if he was Josh Allen's coach, he would sit down with him in a room and say, "Listen, it's time to grow up." Like this is the this is the kind of behavior that literally flies in the face of winning, which is something you say you're all about and the team is all about. Like sometimes you get into this, like, I don't want to say coach speak, but these things that players say all the time about being ultra competitive and um doing all this uh, you know, team building because the main goal is the main goal and everybody wants to win. And it's like you almost did things in that game to try and actively not win. And so I think having it put that way is something that I think is healthy for him, for lack of a better term, just because sometimes you do realize you have to realize that not, not being the hero, not being the the guy that does it all. That's okay too. Yeah. Listen for, for as many wild and outlandish national media takes their, were in the off season. There were after this game, there were some really good ones too. And I, and I agree with Orlovsky. I mean, uh, everything he did flew in the face that being Josh Allen of what he said going into the season, I need to protect the football better. I need to make sure uh, that, you know, uh, we're, we're scoring points. We're not giving the team the ball back and it, it's not helping this team win. When you do that, I said on, on the post game show on, on, well, Tuesday morning, uh, that if this was a shootout game against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs or the the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow, and you're talking back and forth, thirty point outing, I would get Josh Yellen, you know, throwing the ball down the field, chucking it, doing what he had to do to try to keep this team in the game. It was a completely different situation, Matt. It was thirteen to three. You were in control. You just needed to manage the game, manage the clock, put maybe. A, Ice the game with another field goal or two. A touchdown obviously would have gotten the job done as well. And instead, you gave the ball up. You coughed, you know, you, you fumbled it away deep in your own end. You did everything that you said you weren't going to do. So it, it's one game. We've said this. We don't want to be um, dwell on it too long. It, it is Raiders week, uh, essentially. Um, but now it's up to Allen to really put this into motion, show that he that those words weren't hollow and that he is going to do his part to protect the football, to be that leader for this team on offense and and to help guide them now on, on a winning streak that they need to start stringing some games together here uh, early on in the season. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Kyle Gauger throwing down another super chat. And this dude is a, a subscriber to the Shout Insider group, dropping $3.99 a month. And he's throwing a little, little cherry on top of the super chats. We appreciate your brother. Pro tip sign up your friends and family for the insider text as well. Makes a great birthday or holiday gift. And if you email me, and you get a month free trial. So you can sign them up, give them a month's free trial, and be on our way. Thanks, Kyle. We appreciate you, man. Um, let's talk one more thing before we move on from Josh Allen, because I know that that has monopolized the the the, the podcast so far, and I th- I feel like it has to. It's a, it's still a sure. huge storyline, and I I think for him to come out and play that way, I thought was shocking. It was surprising, and. I do like the way that he's approaching it. And I also do like something that Stefan Diggs said on the podcast about he went on the Von cast, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show. And he said, listen, a couple of years ago, go back and and the bills came out and it was a stinker against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. That was, I, I believe 2021. It was the year that they went to the divisional round, the, the 13 seconds game, 23 to 16 to the Steelers, same exact style of game where the offense just really, really struggled. Now, Allen didn't throw any interceptions that game, went for 270 and a touchdown, but it was hard. It was a yeah. good defense that was getting a lot of pressure. Um, if I remember correctly, three sacks and five, six, seven, eight, eight quarterback hits. So in the same ballpark, how did the Bills respond to that, Ryan? They went on a little bit of a win streak and came out, you know, really clicking after that game. And, and that's what Stefan Diggs is expecting the Bills to do now. And that year specifically, Matt, I mean, they got hot at the right time of the season. They were one of the hottest teams in the league during the playoff stretch. And we all know how that ended against Kansas City. Uh, But, you know, arguably that was the best football that they've played under Josh Allen late in the season. So uh, a dud in week one does not mean that you're going to see that type of play over the course of the season or, or when the games, you know, really matter come playoff time. It was a good comparison. Sometimes you start out the year and and it doesn't go the way that you thought it was going to in week one, but it's a long season. There's a, there's a great opportunity here to bounce back these next few weeks before you have another divisional matchup against the Miami Dolphins. So take care of business against the Raiders in Washington, and, and then you can make a statement against a Dolphins team that is getting a lot of national praise and love after their you know offensive outburst in week one. Um, another question that we got here, uh, from Kyle or, uh, well, I don't think it was from Kyle. Uh, who was it? Saw it in here somewhere. I, I'm sorry if I, if I didn't give you the shout out, uh, you can blame me on social media, tweet at me, whatever you want. Um, but it was a good, it was a good question asking if Spencer Brown who struggled, uh, and we could talk about him in the, in a moment, if there's any chance of him getting replaced by Jermaine Effetti. No, um, <laughs> I, 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 no short answer. Not yet. I mean, if Eddie has not been here very long, if this was something where, oh, they're bringing him in because he has years of play under Aaron Cromer, that would be one thing, but that's not the case. This is not someone who's familiar with the system. I don't think they brought him in here in the first place to compete with Spencer Brown. I think they wanted a veteran who could play at right tackle. If there was an injury, if they were in a pinch, um, maybe a swing tackle option, he needs more time. He needs to get acclimated to the system. Spencer Brown was not great on Monday night football. That's, you know, no, that's not breaking news. We, we all saw the first sack. I want to say that Josh Allen took, it was essentially credited to Spencer Brown since he was in Josh Allen's lap on the play, getting pushed back by John Franklin Myers and Myers really did bully him a few times on Monday night, but we also saw a lot of good from Spencer Brown this summer at training camp. He had one really bad practice, but the rest was pretty good. He had a pretty strong uh, preseason. 
I want to at least, you know, see him now against a defensive line that's not as dominant these next few weeks. And, and listen, they, Max Crosby is on that Raiders line, and he's going to probably be licking his chomps about playing against Spencer Brown. But what, are, what do the Bills do? How do they adjust? Do they keep extra blocking back? Uh, Ken Brown rebound. I, I'm not ready to move on from him yet for a former first-round pick who has essentially been a journeyman uh, as of late in the way he's played. But if Brown continues to struggle, yes, at least it's at least on the table that eventually it could happen. Listen, there's a reason I, I like the what the player is in a Fetty, right? Like, you know, former first round draft pick has played a lot of snaps in the NFL, but I think that there's a lot. It's a lot to ask of anybody coming over with no training camp, no offseason program to learn a very complicated system, to learn a very complicated you know scheme from an offensive line only perspective i mean guys have talked about remember jordan uh roger saffold said after last season guys are never really right their first year in with aaron cromer it takes an off season to really get used to the tech techniques that he teaches what he asks his players to do so i think Fetty is more of a let him get comfortable he's a veteran he's played a lot of football and try to let spencer brown um get comfortable and see what it looks like as the season moves along. I, I don't anticipate uh, any move happening. Um, interesting. Let, let's talk about the offensive line in general from uh, this game, Ryan, you know, I was looking through some of the PFF grades from a pass blocking perspective. It was a huge game for Deion Dawkins, like going yeah. back and watching him play. Like he did a really good job holding up against those um, quick, fast edge rushers. Like I thought that, you know, Josh didn't have to deal with a lot of stuff on his left side. Uh, Connor McGovern, who actually didn't grade out great as a run blocker. Right? And, but this is what we knew about him, right? Like right. he did not, he was not going to come over in here and help you in the run game. He did get uh, blo- uh, graded out at 70.6, which was the second highest pass block grade behind Dawkins, according to PFF. Then it went Osiris Torrance at 70.6. I know you have something to say about him. Mitch Morse at 63.1, and then Spencer Brown at 58. Yeah, so Deion Dawkins, first and foremost, great, great game. You know, we, we talked a little bit about our expectations for him this season. We thought we both, uh, don't speak, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we both thought he had a down year last year for <laughs> what we saw out of him. And there were some moments in the preseason that weren't even, you know, that great at times with that Steelers game. No one really played too great in that. He really did have a nice game against one of the best defensive lines in football uh, from that blocking perspective. But the the O-lineman that stood out to me the most overall was Osiris Torrance. And when the Bills drafted Torrance, we knew that he was a guy that could uh, get out in in open space and was really good at uh, run blocking. He definitely looked the part. On, on Monday night football. And that's really promising. I know a lot of the guys on the bills O line run blocking is not their specialty. It's not their strong suit, uh, but having someone like that, that can kind of maul you get out in, in there and block it's promising because if you can get a good block from Mitch Morris or from Spencer Brown on that side of the field, maybe that's where James cook uh, really rips off some, some great blocks. But in terms of pass protection, I thought Torrance was, was very strong as well. He allowed, I believe it was three hurries, um, one QB hit, something in, in that area. But to come into this league against, I would say, a top two, top three defensive line, uh, I, I think you'd obviously make the case for Philly being number one. Uh, Pittsburgh's up there. 49ers are up there as well. But the Jets are, are no slouch. They're no joke. And, and he held his own in his debut uh, with the Bills. So really, really promising there. I like what I saw from Kincaid. So after we we talked a lot about Brandon Bean and his draft history as of late, the first two picks really did show up and, and show out for the Bills in their debuts. We mentioned this on the first show, but like I think Kincaid needs to get more work. I think he needs to be featured more. Like In a game like that, you should have got had at least eight-ish targets for a guy that works in the area of the field that he does. And I think at times, like, you know, watching the game back, and I want to actually spend some time with the All-22, which I don't usually do, but I want to be able to see, like, the full scope of the field. Because one thing that I think that happened early in the game, like, 
you go back early in his career, what's the thing that Brian Dable used to say about Josh Allen was like trying to get him into a rhythm early. And actually they were kind of getting into an early rhythm. The couple of those, you know, tricky plays that they had to Deontay Hardy. I liked the way that they were using him, but then on the third down, it was a bang, bang play to Stefan Diggs after he hit him in stride, quick drop, look, hit him on the first throw to him. Then the second one on the third down, he threw it kind of behind him. I yeah, think he, well he noticed double coverage at, at, at the last moment. And I feel like that subconsciously even might go into his head and be like, okay, like, you know, they're really covering the short stuff. And maybe he, that's what pushed him subconsciously to pushing the ball down the field more. But maybe it's about fighting through that, sticking with that part of the game plan. Because when they did go to Dalton Kincaid in any kind of space, he put the boom on, on some def- defenders. And that's what you kind of wanted him to see. And I don't think they used him enough. Yeah. And, you know, Sean McDermott said this week that he wants to see someone kind of step up as, as that uh, wide, wide receiver number two. And I, I know he's a tight end, but Kincaid can be that guy. The Bills played so much out of the 12 personnel in their debut that you, you're not going to see a lot of snaps and reps for those depth wide receivers behind Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. And I think Gabe Davis is, is a fine number two receiver. Uh, there's going, there are going to be games where he gets a lot of targets, a lot of looks, and he puts together a, a really strong stat line. But Kincaid needs to start already just one game in. We need to start seeing an uptick in his targets because he, he we know about his hands. We know how good he is there. Uh, but he was able to pick up chunks of yards after the play, the, the short passes and rumble down the field. Uh, where he lowered the shoulder, they gave him nine. But I, when I watched that live, I, it looked like he made it over the first down marker. I'll, I'll go back and look at that uh, play specifically again. I just liked a lot of what I saw out of him. So, in, in terms of someone stepping up in that role opposite Stefan Diggs, it, it might end up being Kincaid as a rookie or Dawson Knox because they're going to be on the field a lot this season. If that Jets game is any any indication of the personnel that they're going to roll out on a weekly basis. Um, I want to talk about some, some other players on the defensive side, uh, going back and watching Terrell Bernard. I do think that some of the commentary that you had on him after the game was accurate. I mean, there was, there were moments where he did get washed out of plays. Maybe he didn't read blocks, uh, properly, but I did see a few plays like I did live that I think were encouraging. And it's, it's a jumping off point for a player that didn't play in the summer. I mean, Josh Allen talked about, you know, maybe knocking off some of the rust after only playing two or three drives in the preseason. Bernard didn't have any drives and I'm not trying to like say Bernard's going to be the answer. Listen, he's a small player at times when you're getting like kind of, you know, lost in the shuffle of all those big, tall trees on the inside there. It's a lot. Like I, I think that's a concern, but I also did think he was active. I did think that he was moving sideline uh, to sideline pretty well. I thought when he did come in and make a couple plays, that was that one play where Taron Johnson kind of got run over. It was a really tough play. I was like, oh man, I was kind of watching out for a concussion or something there. He came in and kind of was the backup on that play and really blasted him. There were some nice moments for Terrell Bernard. I think you know this this week is going to be a really good test because Josh Jacobs is such a good running back. Yeah, so when it came to Bernard, I, I did rewatch the game with him specifically in mind and kept an eye on him. I will say he got better late in the game. I thought that he improved down the stretch. I thought early on there were some really, really bad plays, as you mentioned, getting uh, swallowed up. And listen, when, when you're you know, 220, 225 soaking wet and you're running into Mekhi Becton, I think you're going to get swallowed up 99 out of 100 times and get uh, pancaked. But he did get better. Maybe that's a fact, or maybe that's due to his athleticism, his speed, the sideline to sideline. You're going against a lot of tired offensive linemen and, and offensive players at that point in the game. So I want to see him though, against the Raiders. I want to see him against Washington and a few other games. I know there were a lot of fans calling on Christian Kirksey to kind of come right in here and, and save the day, so to speak. Kirksey will probably start seeing some elevations once they're comfortable with him in the system. And I wouldn't be shocked if, after his elevations run out from the practice squad, the Bills immediately signed him to the 53-man roster. Uh, but uh, I'm not ready to write off Bernard yet because I did think that he improved. And as you noted, you know he, the injury happened at such a tough time this summer, I, final training camp practice, I believe, of the year. Uh, and then he goes and he doesn't get to play at all in the preseason. Let's see him with a few more reps. Uh, if they want to elevate Kirksey and mix and match them at some point, so be it. 
but it, there were some encouraging signs late in the game against the Jets. Um, I want to encourage everybody to come out to 700 Military Road this Saturday night, 6 p.m. You get to meet Ryan Talbot. I mean, that is the main attraction, but you also <laughs> get to eat delicious chicken wings, drink amazing beers, and they got a bunch. They're all up on the big chalkboard. Uh, and obviously talk Bills with Ryan Talbot and Matt Perino. We will do a live show, of course, previewing Bills versus Raiders. And then we will, uh, you know, hang around, have a couple pops. Not too many. Ryan, we can't have too many the night before nope. we got to go cover a football game. That's right. That uh, eight o'clock alarm clock goes off pretty uh, quickly there the night after these shows. And we have a job <laughs> to do on Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon. So definitely have to be smart with it. But we are looking forward to the Bills Mafia showing up, uh, hanging out after the show, and then obviously covering a big time football game on Sunday. You're driving with me, right? To the stadium. Oh, yeah. We're oh, getting yeah. up early, buddy. We're getting up real early. Here's my question. What is the, what are you putting the odds at that I pick you up at the time that I say that I'm going to pick you up at? Like, if I say like, I'll be there at seven 30 and it's, what are you going to put the odds at? Would you say it's five to one that I actually make it there on time? I'm putting my shoes on probably at eight o'clock. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Listen, I, you know, we'll, we'll come up with a plan sometimes for these shows and you'll be like, all right, seven 30. And then the next morning rolls around and it's like seven. She's like, how about eight o'clock? <laughs> sorry, Matt. I'm sorry. Listen, I get it though. I don't have to do the hair in the morning. I don't have to put the product in and, and, uh, look the part. I just, I just, I just get all these balls in the air. I, know. I can't I handle know. them all. I can't handle them all. I sometimes I drop them all. And, and then I I'm get 15 it. minutes so. later. An hour late, but yeah, you deal with me. You're a saint oh, for that. It's uh, my, awesome, though. What's now, funny? How is, early? How early? You talk, you're not talking Joe B early, are you? Yeah, it, yeah, we got to go early, dude. I have a okay. feeling that the, I'm game the for it. It's going to be rough. And my wife just texted me, "True saint," quote unquote, because she knows <laughs> she's all too familiar with my uh, clock management, if you will. No. Obviously, if we did like local reporters, like clock management. I would probably be at the bottom um, of the list. It, it's really bad. Yeah, no, I love it though. And and for the Bills Mafia not familiar, I, I really feel like Joe B. In, in addition to covering the Bills team, like I think he has the keys to unlock the stadium because he is there ridiculously early at times. I mean, like seven a.m. sometimes for these games. So whenever we need to be there, I'm there. Can't wait. This is what I'm going to do. Carl, I'm, I'm going to throw a big curveball this week. I'm going to say I'll be there at 745 and then show up at 730. And then I'm going to be honking the horn. So it wakes up everybody at the hotel. And if somebody comes out and complain, I'm like, I'm waiting for this guy. I'm waiting for uh, the goatee uh, over here, Mr. Talbot. Oh, man. I can't wait. No matter when. I'm ready. I can't wait either. All right. A couple more things real quick. Ryan, I think AJ Epinesa should be inactive on Sunday. Uh, I texted this out in the group and he was the only bills edge rusher that didn't register a pressure on, on Monday night. And I don't think that's good enough. It's year four. You had, let me look this up here. I have it. I had it up on my screen. He had a total of 19 snaps. Uh, eight of those were pass rush snaps out of eight chances. He couldn't record one single pressure. Shaq Lawson had 12 pass rush snaps and delivered three pressures. Leonard Floyd, 16. Russo, 17. Both of them had five pressures. Ryan, Ed Oliver had six pressures in this game. Ed yeah. Oliver played himself a really good game. You're talking about answers in the run game. I thought from a run defense perspective, him and Daquan Jones were really good. He was adding some pressure up the middle. I think you elevate or you um, activate Kingsley Jonathan on Sunday against the Raiders and you uh, what's the difference between AJ Epinesa and Kyer Elam. You're, you're telling Kyer Elam he's not good enough to have a, a Jersey on game day. How are you not holding AJ Epinesa who I like, I enjoy all my conversations with AJ. I'm just talking about a football perspective. You got to hold that accountable. I agree with that completely. And, and here's why the, the bills already moved away from one draft pick being boogie Basham, obviously to keep a guy like Kingsley Jonathan because of the promise, because of the flashes that they saw and week one, you want to give AJ Epinesa a Jersey because 
Uh, he's another former second round pick. He's someone that you feel has earned the right to play. So be it. But when you deliver, you know, an egg, so to speak, and you don't do much for this team, I, I think it's okay to say the following week, let's get Kingsley Jonathan in here. Let's see what he can do in a limited role, because let's face it, uh, Leonard Floyd, as long as his legs are feeling fresh, I want him on the field. Yes. Greg Rousseau, obviously is a young guy, his legs should be fresh. I want him on the field. But in that rotation, I'd rather get this young kid, this Kingsley Jonathan, uh, who who made enough of an impact the, the past two years that the Bills said, we don't want to lose this guy again in the waiver process. We need to get him on the 53 this year, unlike last year where they lost him to Chicago for a few months. Get him on the field. See what he can do. He High motor, never stops. I know you, know, you hear those cliches all the time, but it is really true with Jonathan. Uh, he's always going nonstop, and I think he could especially make an impact in a limited role with those reps where he's going against tired offensive linemen by the time he sees the field. Um, I've been telling everybody for uh, over a month now, going back to the start of training camp, um, to sign up to become a Shout Insider. That's because – we have great conversations on there. Um, and as it's growing, Ryan, there's a, there's well over 300 people now. Um, it's harder to kind of be, to live in the day-to-day, responding to everybody. But what I what I do think it's going to be great for for the season is going to help bring interesting topics to the show, questions for the show that maybe, maybe we're talking around something, but maybe getting something more specific. And, and I think this kind of angle on the Josh Allen stuff is interesting. Brad Madden, who's a regular in the shout insiders, he, he, he threw along a question this afternoon topic of concern for tonight's show. Maybe Josh wanted to put on a show and that's where the bad decisions came in. Might seem like a weird statement, but he tried to hurdle guys six yards from a first down is his superstar status going to his head. Love the guy, but it just seems like he can play boring and win. Uh, just like Mahomes has done in those grind games. Thoughts on this, Ryan? I'll start with the fact that has the superstar status gone to his head? I would push back against that a little right. bit. I don't think he's somebody that truly lives like believes in his own like press clippings and his status. As a matter of fact, he kind of stiff arms a lot of that most of the time. Does he do a lot of commercials? Sure, but. You know, he actually mentioned it on his podcast with Jordan Palmer and Kyle Allen that a lot of those commercials don't take a lot of time. You do it and then you forget about it. A lot of it happened in the offseason. I think there might be a little something to the folks that take issue with maybe the commitment this offseason. I don't know a lot about what he did this offseason. He's talked a little bit about it, but he did go on to say that he's played every golf course known the man. Maybe I get having a hobby and loving, you know, but he, he worked tirelessly most off seasons, you know, working at his craft, um, trying to find ways to get better. And, you know, if you ever take the, the foot off the pedal, I can get from a fan perspective, just wondering about that. Do I think that that's necessarily the case? I, I think that's a little bit too far to say. Um, but I do think there is something to the way that he plays sometimes and like, wanting to go is it always the play when you're out in space and running to try to hurdle over a guy probably not most of the time you should probably just slide you know who i saw slide a ton on sunday and threw for 400 plus yards to attack of viola now it's a different situation he's kind of got to slide he can't take any hits but that's a smart play most of the time yeah when it comes to on the field stuff i mean especially when he he jumped and it was a Law, you know, the markers were well down the field and it was about a six yard gain and he dove into two players. That's not smart football uh, slide live for another day. There was a first down he picked up that he could have just run out of bounds and he picked up two or three more yards, but he collided with two jets defenders. There, there are things like that, but you know, real quick, just going back to the off season and you know, I, I don't know how much time he put into working on the mechanics, working with uh, Jordan Palmer. Like you said, he mentioned playing a lot of golf. I think this past off season, the way that the season went for the Bills, the uh, trauma that they went through with with Demar Hamlin, with a lot of the, the going all the way back to the top shooting, everything that happened with uh, Dawson Knox losing his brother Luke. There was there's just a lot, and I think after the way the season ended, clearing your head was something that maybe the coaching staff told. Josh Allen and company do don't even think about football for a while. So if that meant hitting every golf course in America, by all means, go and do it. Clear your head. 
you are one of the elite quarterbacks in this league. And I don't want to take anything away from the commercials either. Like you said, a lot of these commercials, it's it's a one and done. I'm sure he, when he does the local spots, he's probably doing a few of them maybe at a time. So that's not a huge time commitment. He's not leaving practice and flying out to California, shooting a commercial and coming back in season or anything like that. I feel like the speak after the game of I have to be better. I'm over that. He needs to put it into motion. But at the same time, I don't want people overreacting to one bad performance in week one against a really good Jets defense when I think that he's going to have some really good performances these next few weeks. And he he bounced back pretty well from it today. Like I felt like the body language was was much better. But I agree, like even like the despondent look that he has sometimes on the sideline when things aren't going good, like you can't have that. You have to have an idea for how to fix it. And sometimes he looks like that little kid that came into the league that just, you know, gets overwhelmed at times with it all. And that's okay. Like it's, it's not like a going to be the defining characteristic of his career. And he's had plenty of big time moments where he's engaged and he just needs he needs to demonstrate that more. And I, I'm really going to be watching him, his body language closely this Sunday and beyond. Because to me, like when things were going bad in Cincinnati, you you knew they were going bad. If you just turned on the TV and they panned Allen on the sideline and the way that he looked like sometimes you have to be the CEO of the team, the franchise quarterback, and you can't let it show that that's happening. You can't be so emotionally invested in the ups and downs. Josh Allen has said it best in the past, Ryan can't ride the roller coaster. Right. So um, I'm going to be watching that closely. I I think he figures out a way. My wife keeps texting me because she's got a real hot take on Josh Allen, but um, I'm not going to deliver it for her. She's going to have to deliver it on Saturday uh, at wing nuts. When we're doing the show, I'll bring it right on the show. She can, she can drop the hot take. You better watch your tape though this week, babe. You got to watch the tape. You got to put in the tape, watch some tape from last season. I'm going to be really putting you through the ringer uh, this Saturday. So come out to wing nuts to watch the show husband and wife, you know, discussing uh, a tendency that she's picked up on, on Josh Allen, a little bit of a teaser there. Wow. Cannot wait for that. And I do see some people in the commentary talking about Kyle Brandt's basement and Josh Allen appearing on that. Maybe too much. There is no more Kyle Brandt's uh, basement. He announced this week that the show will not go on uh, and that, you know, he didn't say that it was anything with Josh Allen, but I think Josh Allen is committed to focusing on football and football only in season. And uh, maybe that is a good thing for him. So, you know, last year I thought it was fine. I thought it, it worked out nicely. Some good segments, some uh, the bills played well. They won 13 games. I don't think there was a correlation there either, but just to kind of correct some things, <laughs> Caitlin with a quick, no, um, just put some things in perspective. I, I don't think that B- Kyle Brandt's basement podcast had anything to do with, uh, Allen and, and struggles or anything like that. All right. Um, what else? Oh, one last thing. I don't think it needs to be made a huge deal because even if the penalty comes back or if he makes the tackle, the, the jets probably kick a field goal and win, but Sam Martin should deserve some, you know, <laughs> attention for not only yeah. that attempt at a tackle, but an absolutely horrible punt. Like you can't have that. I mean, he's a veteran guy. Like you got to put that in the right spot. And there wasn't even weather, Ryan. I, I, that was a bit of a, you know, bungled situation all across the board for them, you know, return that. And those are the kinds of things like the games are going to get harder. And it, to me, that was the biggest takeaway to, of that game is like, this was a game you had to win because of the circumstances of the game. It was there on a platter and you just, you not only did Josh Allen, all the stuff we've covered so much on this show, so much on the last show, but like that moment, special teams, this team values special teams and it didn't matter on that play. No. And and the special teams is actually pretty disappointing in the preseason as well. So the fact that it carried over the regular season is a concern. And when you mentioned that, I started laughing because I, I don't know. Maybe he thought for a moment it was two hand tap. I don't know what that tackle attempt was. It was like <laughs> two hand tap. Jump. It was like a jumping two hand tap. Like I'm going to get this guy with with this uh, forceful push and just a, a terrible, terrible attempt overall at a tackle. Um, but special teams is a little concerning that the, the struggles on uh, coverage in the preseason kind of come over to the regular season. I agree with you though. It was more on Sam Martin in this case in terms of where he put the football, not so much on the coverage. 
but things that uh, we generally or typically have not seen from this unit under Sean McDermott in his tenure as head coach. Um, here's something I got for everybody, Ryan. Saturday night, you coming out to Wing Nuts? Watchers, viewers, listeners, if you bring a Topps breakfast pizza to us on Saturday night to enjoy with our wings and beer, I'm going to give you six months free to become a Shout Ooh. Insider. Even if you're already a subscriber, I'm going to throw down six months free. We're going to take a picture with the Topps pizza. We're going to eat the Topps breakfast pizza. I want everybody to kind of experience it. And right now, let Topps do the cooking for you and you'll be the real MVP. Perfect for game day or any days. Visit Topps Carryout Cafe. Hot to go, fresh, large cheese and pepperoni pizza, 15 bucks. Jumbo chicken wing, 10 count, 14 bucks. Topps legendary breakfast pizza. Bring us one, six months free. Get yourself one for $20, $20. Still think that's a savings. I'll actually give you $20 so that, so you don't have to pay for the pizza. <laughs> um, pizza and taco log, six count, eight forty nine. dollars Baby back rib sections, $5.99 a pound, plus sub sandwiches, wraps, apps, sides, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. I think that's it, Ryan. All right. You can't beat a fresh tops breakfast pizza either. Bill's mafia. If you haven't experienced yet, you got to do it. I thought you were going to have something funny and quippy to say there. Kind of. Like, <laughs> oh no, I love it. I, I love the fact that you're throwing in a six months for free with a, a tops breakfast pizza. Always keeping me on my toes. They always give me, they, they, they gave me us free uh, control over the, uh, what is it called the the um the trials like yeah. we can make our own trials so listen we're gonna get some off the wall ideas get people into the uh insider group we're so grateful to everybody that has joined it it's participating in it we think it's we're just scratching the surface of what this thing's going to be and we don't know over the course of the season it's great during training camp time because we could bring you all of that inside stuff and into the season it's going to change just gonna get our analysis more so um we're gonna try to keep up as as much as we can with the um uh, interactions. Uh, it's tough. I mean, Ryan, you were mentioning it. You went in there yesterday at one point, there was like 150 messages that we had to try to respond to. So if we don't respond to everybody. Don't take it personally. Keep sending those questions along. We'll eventually get it into um, either a show or respond or even maybe craft uh, an insider text that, to the whole group. We appreciate everybody. Enjoy your week. Saturday night, 6 p.m., Wing Nuts, North Buffalo, 700 Military Road. See you then. Bring your top pizza.